and you're everyone amazing. at school was like, "Oh, you're a businessman." <laughs> I like, and I had to. I remember like like literally entering the class, standing on a chair, speaking in a British accent, being like, "My name is Peter Vincent, the great vampire killer." And you know, Mrs. Jennings was like, "Sit your ass down." <laughs> Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on some dodgy, foxy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the The final girl. Hello out there. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. I'm Terry and... Hey, Disco Citizens. This is Julia. And we are so excited. We have a very special guest this week, Julia. I'm like, I don't know. I'm dying in my chair a little bit because I'm a very, very big fan. I can hear um, it in your voice. You're so cute. Like, did I get a little like, did my, my pitch go up? Did I go yeah, up? Like, a little clamped. Like, <laughs> anyway, um, I'm so pumped, you guys. Today, we have the amazing Tarek Davis. He's an actor, writer, avid pop culture consumer based out of New York City with over 20 years of history in the acting profession, performing improv and writing comedy. He strives to cross-pollinate performance styles and audiences in all of his work. Currently, you can see him on one of the best shows on television, Emmy-nominated, uh, The Amber Ruffin Show. There are two seasons available on Peacock right now. Go get it, download it, get it. Um, he's there as Amber's announcer and sidekick and real life friend. Tarek has appeared in multiple commercials and television shows such as the Late Night uh, with Seth Meyers show, Ray Donovan, Friends from College, Last Week Tonight with John Oliver, one of my personal favorites as well. Um, recently, Tarek performed in the critically acclaimed Freestyle Love Supreme at the Kennedy Center and the Booth Theater in New York and in the Broadway run. And he hopped in for a weekend not too long ago as a very special guest of the cast on their final leg of the tour at the Pasadena Playhouse, where I roped him into this interview. All right. (laughs) Um, It's all true. And he's also a big horror fan and not just a fan. Tarek in 2017 shot a six minute comedic horror short entitled Page One, along with his brothers Don P. Hooper and Lamar McLean and producer Evan Kaufman. This short is based on a full-length horror comedy script that Tarek has been working on for the past 10 years. Tarek, we have to find out more about this script in a moment. Um, He also continues to write multiple shorts, sketches, monologues, and all kinds of goodness. I cannot believe it. So happy to have you here. We have uh, Tarek Davis here today. Welcome, Tarek. Hey, that was... um... A very gracious uh, intro. I don't know who that person is, but <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, the show and the both of yours. And it was nice to meet you in Pasadena. Yes, that was like what an amazing day to be capped off. I was spent the day with Julia actually early that morning at Midsummer Scream, a big, huge horror festival in Long Beach where um, I'd been on panel with Peaches Christ and some amazing other horror creators that day and mm-hmm. topped off the day going to see your amazing show. And y'all recapped my day that day. And it felt kind of like probably what you just felt right now in hearing that intro. You <laughs> recapping my day was like, that's the day I had. It was an amazing day as well. So 
Thank you so much. We are all amazing when we step outside to take a just take a little higher view of ourselves, right? But then you, when you look, when you look through your own eyes, it's a whole different situation, isn't it? It's a whole different situation. I didn't mean to get so woo woo wah wah. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so true though. Julia and I actually were just talking about that like moments before you hopped on the line. Just like I was like, we're doing great. You're amazing. Like I just, you know, we have those moments sometimes as creators that you don't always know, like you're in the middle of always in the middle of creation that you don't always get a yeah. chance to stop and enjoy what you've like created along the way. It, it never goes away. Um, but you know, uh, as I get older, uh, you know, and not to sound like the old man, but uh, <laughs> you know, when, as I get old, you know, I don't want to do that, be that guy. But as I get older, I do realize that, um, you know, the storms are going to continue to come. So, don't beat your own ship up. Ah. Oh, I have never heard that, but that is, that is a good. I good literally motto. just made you the just made that phrase up? up right now. Yeah, I did. Look at him. <laughs> he's a sage. Up. He's a sage. That's like, wow. I'm telling you, this is what you get. Cause freestyle love Supreme. Just, you know, Julia is like all improv. It's a fully improvised show every night. And like, Tarek is like a master improviser. So I'm just feeling like, you know, oh my goodness. getting like words of wisdom all of a sudden. That's just what life is about here. But That's I feel amazing. like we got we got to jump back. I feel like I feel, oh, I yeah. feel like we've we've moved to, to midway through his career. Let's talk about the beginning. Uh, let's talk about mm. when you were a kid and what you know. Were you interested in film? Were you interested in stage? What was really what's driving you to be where you are now? Oh, great question. Um, when I was a kid, I was um, I was extremely shy. I had uh, like. I was never diagnosed with it. It wasn't only until retrospect that I realized I had severe, um, like anxiety around other people, uh, oh, wow. especially around performing. And I would stutter when I was picked out, you know, to read out loud in class. And like it was, uh, yeah, I had like that imposter syndrome as a kid was real. Um, so you know, growing up in the eighties and nineties, television and you know, going to the video store and to the comic book store, like those were my saving graces because I mm -hmm. could see the world from home. And uh, so, yeah, I, I just grew up, you know, as a latchkey kid, I grew up, you know, in a great time. I ended up working in a comic book store and video store, um, oh, oh, uh, cool. you know, the late 90s. And, you know, Did I you just... have the video that you always recommended to people. Um. I I would curate. I would, you know, because some people just, you know, you can't, I can't tell you to watch full moon productions if you ain't ready for that. Yeah. Right. You know, you're ready for Puppet Master. You can't, can't just, <laughs> I can't get you on Dr. Mordred and you don't know who Jeffrey Combs is. I can't just throw that at you. Like, oh, Jeffrey Combs. Um, yeah, Jeffrey Combs. Yes. Come on now. Um, yes. Yes. No, we love it. Reanimator. Uh, the dude's a king. Anyway. Yeah. He, yeah. yeah. Did you guys interview Jeffrey Combs? No, no, we didn't. Uh, I was going to say he was in a, a one-man show uh, that I saw that Stuart Gordon directed where he was what? Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. And it was about, like, because Poe near the end of his life to make money would go on these speaking tours. And so it was basically a recreation of one of those, but he's, like, like getting drunker and drunker throughout the whole show. And it was one of the best things I've ever seen in my entire life. Jeffrey Combs, like, you, we, had, we know Jeffrey Combs is good, but then I saw that and I was like, whoa, dude. Yeah, he's, like, he's next incredible. level. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jeffrey Combs is huge um like i mean 
he's huge to me. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, he is. Um, I love actors like Jeffrey Combs, who are like stage trained Shakespearean actors. Um, so to go back to your earlier question, I in high school I played football, and after I got hurt, um, I found myself like you know unable to do football practice. So just, you know, wandering the halls of the high school and my high school repertory theater, which I was not a part of at the time, they were rehearsing guys and dolls. And um, I was mobile enough. I was just sitting in the back of the theater watching this. Like, you know, I, I knew I always wanted to perform, but I was always like the stages for a person like me was an impossibility. And I did choir and like in choir, you can like blend in the background and um, no one really sees you. And, you know, I had I was I knew I was a ham for my friends personally, but I would, you know, if any time there was a moment for me to show that on a larger scale, I would kind of step away. And Mrs. uh, Mrs. Wellman, who was head of the repertory theater department, saw me sit in the back and was like, her and Mrs. Ponerero, uh, who was one of the parents who was teaching these kids how to salsa, she was like, oh, we need an extra guy. Who's that guy sitting in the back there? Yo, you come here. And Aww. didn't give me a choice. And so, you know. This is great. Um, this is like high school musical stuff. This is amazing. Right. And changed so I the up, path you know, of your life. Changed yeah. the path of my life. From there, then, I, you know, doing the dance. And they were like, oh, you can dance. Uh, dance in this scene. Be in this scene. Be in this scene. And by the next year, I was like, vice president of the repertory theater and you know the lead of the next play and then i kind of found myself found myself on stage uh it was a very weird kind of oh this is what i'm supposed to do like Mm -hmm. uh it was a place of no fear and um a lot of abundance of freedom and yeah i haven't looked back well, it's a very accepting community, the theater community, right? And that's why they call it the community of theater, because it really yes. is something that you're all working on one piece together. Yeah. And everyone has the same, you know, um, everyone is coming from a similar place of just wanting to feel accepted and wanting to, someone to be like, hey, that, was, that thing you did, I saw it and it was really cool. Um, and the sports space, which, you know, a part of me to this day will always love was very different, especially then um, very filled with testosterone and competition. And uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if there was an abundance of safety like there was on stage. So it was an easy decision. for me. Right. Real combat versus stage combat. Yeah. Um, you know, like but, I'd rather not die. Yeah. <laughs> I'd yeah. rather and, like, just not get my die on. You understand. Yeah, well, this is the, the whole. I'm glad, I'm glad the paths, uh, you know, changed for you. So, so am I. Right. So am I. It wasn't easy though. Like my whole family, they were all like super athletes. My uncle played pro football. Um, my brother played in college. My dad was really good, and my uncles. And I was kind of the run of the litter, and I showed a little bit of talent on the field. I was really fast, and so you know, there's this big expectation, and I was happy when I didn't have to live up to it. Yeah. It sounds like you got a whole new confidence at that point. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Really uh, to this day, so grateful for Miss Wellman and Miss Bontorero and guys and dolls. 
Yay, teachers so, and yay, yay, music theater. We love that. Yeah. Those are all the things I love. Those are, yeah, amazing. So tell us, I guess, where you fell in love with horror. Like, was it around the same time or before? Or how did that happen? Oh, no, I fell in love with horror much earlier. Um, you know, again, gr- being a latchkey kid, you know, my mom worked nights. My dad worked during the day. And so there was like a period of time when like I would come home from school. It was just, you know, I had an older brother. But, you know, he was out there. <laughs> you know, he, yeah. he was a very good looking guy, a little like a young Eddie Murphy. Uh, so, you know, he was pretty popular. So, what? you know, I came I came home alone a lot. And, you know, my mom would uh, have a movie waiting for me um, that she rented that she knew I liked. And my parents, so, like, they oh, were pretty sweet. cool with the I wasn't censored from a lot of stuff. Mm hmm. Um, as long as I could understand it and kind of report back to my parents like what it was I was watching, they let mm-hmm. me watch it. Uh, there were like a few exceptions of like, this is too wild. You can't watch this. But oh, I, oh okay. Yeah. Did she like screen uh, like like pre-screen the movies for you or just leave whatever you were nah, looking for? It was my dad. She no, my mom didn't really pre-screen. My dad was more the editor. Like if it was. I remember Deliverance came on and he was like, yeah, you can't watch this. <laughs> okay. Probably, like, probably good, good on dad's, on dad's yeah. part. Yeah. Yeah. You good remember? On my yeah. And then I remember seeing it yeah, years later and being like, yeah, no, that was a wise decision on my dad's part. Yeah. 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 Can um, you remember the first horror movie to really scare you? Yes. I remember the first movie I ever saw. Ooh. So the first movie I ever saw was at a drive-in and it was Blue Thunder starring Roy Scheider. Okay. And so this is like 19, when did Blue Thunder come out? Like 1983, 82? And so this is like the drive-in, like that's the movie in front of the screen in front of the car and what we have audio for. So I'm like three or four and I remember turning around to look out of the back window of the car and it was another movie. And I, to this day, I still don't know what it was. But it was okay. the goriest, bloodiest, <gasps> most terrifying thing I've ever seen. And like this kid, I remember seeing this kid just get demolished, like a child my age, and he's just demolished, like brains. Oh, and I no. was like, and my mom kept trying to get me to turn around because I was like uh-uh. the baby. And I was like fixated on why is this little child dying? And that was kind of it. And Wow, there, born to be a horror hound. Yeah. From there, yeah. And um, I remember, you know, my uncles, like my family, we were a big, close family. So, like, in our house, we had the VCR. So, yeah. if it was a movie night, everyone would come over our house. And I remember watching Nightmare on Elm Street and being scared shitless, mm-hmm. um, but enjoying it. Um, I still remember seeing Predator and how hype we all got. Um, and like my family, you know, we're a big black family and everyone was hilarious. So the talking <laughs> back at the screen was epic. Yeah. And oh, I, bet. I lived for that. And I just that energy of seeing like, you know, my dad chime in, my mom chime in, who was hilarious, my uncles, my brother. And I would kind of just sit there being the quiet one, um, seeing their enjoyment, their fear. Um, 
I remember being scared shitless at Alien. Um, and like, there are a few movies, the most movies I could, horror movies I could get through. But like, Alien was one of the few that I remember like, there were moments like as a kid, I would put my hands over my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Fright Night came out. Yeah. And when I saw Fright Night, that's when I officially became a horror movie fan. I was like, this is the best thing I've ever seen. Yes. What about Fright Night got you? Um, Roddy McDowell's Peter Vincent. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what it was about. I. So this must be Fright Night came out in like 84, 85. Yeah. Yep. So I think in 87, I went to like Halloween. I went to school dressed as Peter Vincent. Like amazing my mom made me the like the did coat. you have like a like a vampire killer box in the whole yeah bit? i had i found an old briefcase i like carved my own i found sticks in the backyard and called my own stakes and make oh crucifixes. my god oh that's adorable and you're everyone amazing. at school was like oh you're a businessman <laughs> <laughs> and i had to i remember like like literally entering the class standing on a chair speaking in a british accent being like my name is Peter Vincent, the great <laughs> vampire killer. And, you know, Mrs. Jennings was like, sit your ass down. <laughs> but I appreciate that thing I've ever heard. <laughs> but yeah, That's I was amazing. That whole movie, that movie and like Monster Squad, Lost Boys. Yeah. And they're, mm-hmm. those are all really good ones because, like, you know, because if you're not that into horror, they're horror comedies, right? So you have these right. elements where it's not that scary. Although all of those movies you mentioned are do get gory. I mean, uh, Evil yeah. Ed's death in Fright Night's no joke. That thing goes on forever, and I love that death. Yeah, so it's great. <laughs> just watching his face. Yeah, and he's holding the stick. Oh, 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 and I'm just like, come oh, on, man. Let God, this kid God bless Tom Holland. Tom Holland's amazing. What about Fright Night 2, though? I love Fright Night 2 equally as much, and it's such an underrated film. And now that you bring it up, I'm like, oh, I should have talked about Fright Night 2. But ah, it's, um, right. it's okay. Uh, Fright Night 2, they are both like those two films. Uh, and I had a chance to meet um, Tom Holland, not yeah. Spider Man, Tom Holland, the Tom Holland. The Tom um, Holland. And, you know, and my, you know, my short was inspired. In large part by Fright Night, so oh, uh, well, that, what, did I, what did I segue? You just tell gave us more us. about the, yeah. I was going to tell us more about this short then. So uh, the short was based on a feature uh, script that I had written and I had completed in 2007, but I had been working on it much earlier. Uh, the first draft, and yes, yeah, spent a decade trying to uh, make it come to fruition. Um, the the premise was basically uh you know i i wanted to tackle so this is before black lives matter really became a slogan that we were using a lot Mm -hmm. on social media um but it was already in forefront of my mind having had my own encounters with police and growing up black in a black neighborhood and um i've had my encounters with mortality and my blackness so you know i remember thinking you know, being a fan of horror, but also being very keenly aware of when black people were wearing a horror film and when or when they survived or didn't. Yeah. And, uh, a lot of times they didn't um, back then. 
So my horror film was based on the trope that comedians made fun of, of like the black guy dying first. And so victim number one, the feature page one, uh, the short is all about like, well, what if that black guy is one actor? Um, and that's what they're stereotyped, you know, typecast in. And, you know, people kind of make fun of him and know him as like, oh, you're the guy who died in that movie. And the guy who dies. Know, yeah. The guy who dies. And so, you know, he's this actor and like, you know, uh, he's, on his last legs, really wants to quit. His career didn't turn out the way he wanted to, wanted to turn out. He's a stage-trained actor. And so, you know, his agent convinces him to do one last film. And he gets on set and people really start to die. And horrific things really start to happen. But because he's been killed so many times in different movies, he's able to use that past experience to stay ahead of every trope in the film. And hey, keep himself alive and keep like others alive. It's like horror movie survival guide a little bit. Which is why I like the, yeah, so that was the, that was the premise of page one and victim number one. And mm -hmm. the short is kind of a scene um, that we took from the script, the feature script, and where all the things kind of culminate and he's first figuring out like how to stay alive. Yeah, well, this is why we, we why we have this podcast. We feature figure if we watch enough horror movies, we'll eventually learn how to survive in a real life situation. So this is yeah. amazing. So is this? It took ten years to get it made, and how did you finally get to the point where you got to go to production and and really get it all done? So uh, we that was due to what my, is it called, like, by the way? Uh, the short. Yes, it's called Page One. Great. Okay. Sorry. And um, yeah, it was due to my like you know. Uh, I, I would my I call them my brothers because they really are, even though we're mm -hmm. not blood related. Uh, Lamar McLean and Don Hooper, who I had been doing uh, our podcast Brothers from Another Planet with from 2013, but I knew them from UCB, the UCB scene in New York, uh, Upright Citizens Brigade. Mm -hmm. uh, they were just they just like yo man, we're gonna make this happen. And Evan Kaufman, another funny comedian, a friend of mine, jumped in and helped produce and. They really helped me put it up, make a short, and I'll forever love those three gentlemen. They are family. Amazing. Uh, so did you submit to like festivals or what's what's happening now? Or are you still trying to get this this full length feature length version of this done? So this is twenty seventeen. We submitted to a bunch of festivals, did the festival run, won won some awards, won best screenplay at ah. the New Jersey Horror Film Festival. Congrats. That's where I, I met Tom Holland. Um, yeah. He's amazing, isn't he? Yeah, he's, it was such a, he was such a gracious, you know, and you hear that all the time when, but he, it was, it was truly something to meet a hero of mine. And he was, mm -hmm. and like, we spoke for a while and he was such an attentive listener and was very interested in my film. And um, yeah, it, uh, unfortunately at the time, yeah, I, we did the festival run. Uh, we got some notice. It just became very difficult um, to get traction on the project. Um, it's not completely dead, but I have so many other projects that are in the works now. Mm -hmm. that, and this is something now you have a proof of concept if you want to give it to somebody and be like, yeah, this it's, is the it's I one make. of those. Yeah, it's one of those things. And like, you know, it, I, I realize just how gross it sounded when I say, I got so many things I'm working on right now. Uh, boo, boo, boo. Um, <laughs> But we you get know, it. it. We get it. We get uh, it. You know, I've been doing this twenty years. Um, we get it. Yeah, we're on same page, my friend. Same uh, page. But, yeah. You know, yeah. it's 
you got you you both under you know this industry it's a celebrity is currency yeah um when you i have i am by no means a celebrity but i have like two more cents in currency than i did in 2017 okay. um so you try to use whatever uh whatever change you have to um you know to get ahead in this transactional business and there are other things that i have written that are a little bit more current that are being looked at and being appreciated whether that happens or not i'm not knock on wood so here's a question um if you if we if we if we say you money is no object but you can make any kind of horror film you want is it would you make this script into a feature or is there Oof. another idea you have uh there's another idea i have right now that um my agency they are very excited about um and that they're pushing and that i, I we think is a, just a bit more relevant okay oh amazing Okay. Yeah, it's just giving us a tease. That's what I want. I That's I all I want. That. I'm like, I can't wait until <laughs> uh, it's like, till it's a little full, more fully formed and we'll have to have you back to talk about it. Whatever I, this is. That is a deal. Hey, all yeah. right. That is a deal. It'll happen either way. Like I'm at, at this point, And if I may take this moment to preach to Please. anyone who is a creative, um, everything else is kind of, can I curse? Please, uh, yes, everything, please everything else is bullshit like mm-hmm. at the end of the day it is all bullshit the change the transactions uh you know whatever someone says the currency is or the trends are um the only thing that matters is that that first that is keeping in touch with that spark that got you there to begin with mm-hmm and if you have that spark, if it's in a performance, a character, a script, a painting, a song, um, you can't let that go. Mm-hmm. And so whether you got $5 to make your thing or $5 million, make it. Make it. Make, make it. it for you. Don't make it for anybody else. Make it for you. Make it for that kid that... Uh, that's that you know first got turned on by it and think about if you could go back and show your however old you were when you first saw fright night and show this to them how excited they would be for you yeah i mean well you know the reason i love fright night was because it was the first movie that taught me like oh if there are rules to fighting a monster and even if you're scared which peter vincent was if you like know your shit, you can survive. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so that's kind of what page one is all about too. It's just like, oh, a guy who relies on his experience and uses that for survival, which to me is a huge like um, just parallel to the black experience. And that's another like- reason why I love horror. Yeah, it's the human condition, too, of just like, okay, we've survived this all these years. The reason we survive is by, you know, telling each other stories and giving yep. each other warnings and, you know, looking at all of that. So yep. yeah. I think that's so, so spot on. And even thinking about um, 
Julia has never, this is her first time getting into the Predator universe right now. Yes. Um, and she's never seen any of these. So we actually, um, spoiler alert, we were actually just covering, just like covering Prey as well. And so yeah, I love like, I was like, we're going to do Prey. And then she's like, okay. Like, I was like, then we're going to get like into the, and then, then you, then you suggested Predator. She was like, you got to get into all the Predator now, Julia. Okay. This is the universe <laughs> telling me I really need to watch Predator. So I did my homework. I didn't just jump to Predator 2. Oh, no, no, no. I watched the first one too. So I am oh, caught up, sir. Caught up. Oof, okay. Nice. Nice. So, so much predator all the time and so i think what's what's great i think about even the expansion of the universe now including like the native american experience and everything as well too i love yeah. how expansive this universe has been getting obviously predator has gone on to aliens and more but um right. i think still something about survival and passing it on right through generations as well so oh absolutely um, yeah so, so can you tell can you tell us why you why you picked Predator Two? Why was this your choice? Yeah, and not um, Predator One. You jumped straight to the sequel. It's a bold. Yeah, I, I well, I feel like because everyone is you know everyone talks about Predator One as they should. Um, I enjoy that film immensely. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Carl Weathers shake hands with their biceps the meme <laughs> right. the meme that was born the, the meme, meme that was born the right? little it's... like like shit handshake war that they have yeah um, and it's... i also picked up uh this was for me exciting it's not canon this is not real but uh probably the the duffer brothers took this from predator uh is that the they talk about the guy who was killed before them is named jim hopper um, yes so you're Absolutely. like hey there you go so duffer brothers everywhere in the 80s just picking out things they like that's yep. what they do. Um, yeah, no, it's um, I and I loved Prey. I thought Prey was such a great um, new installment and and fresh and relevant and emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the perspective of it. I just thought that movie like it made me feel, you know, it gave me that feeling I had watching movies growing up. Um, yeah. that I, I, you know, not to sound like an old man, but I feel like I don't get too often. I get it every now and again, but I don't get it a lot, that feeling. I feel like mm-hmm. Prey did that. Um, and Predator 2 for me is this wild, weird, uneven gem that I feel like deserves a lot more credit than it gets but I understand why it doesn't because there's some problematic <laughs> aspects of the film. Really? Um, I'm discussing. It's like, yeah. That's okay. That's okay. I mean, that's what this is here to do. We are here today to give this film some love question mark love. Uh, so I have to, we always talk about uh, the, the taglines. We like to rate our taglines here on this podcast. So yeah. they, we have silent, invisible, invincible, the ultimate hunter this time, Los Angeles, 1997. Yeah. Okay. Let's well. Let's get into why it doesn't get love and some of the problematic aspects. Let's uh, do it. Please. I'd like to end on a better note, but you know, it the stereotypes, uh, especially of uh, Latino culture in the film, are unacceptable, and um, and of also Jamaican culture. Like they are, 
I don't know what the director of the fucking of this movie, Stephen Hopkins. I he's don't know from what Jamaica. He, he's a he's, white man from Jamaica. Can I just explode your mind right now? Because I was going through doing a little homework for this pod today. I was like, Stephen Hopkins. It's the first thing on his bio on IMDb. Kids, Stephen Hopkins was born in 1958 in Jamaica, yep. British Australian. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean. I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> we'll just skip on There's that. There's a whole Adam. thing about, uh, you know, white every Jamaicans. time I've met someone, yeah. yeah, every time I met a white Jamaican, I'm always, this. it's always something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying this. It's always something. And so, I, you know, when I found that out, I wasn't surprised. Mm-hmm. But it's it's unfortunate because it takes away from so much and it's so prominent and it's so excessive um i understand so what i feel like is happening is like and like he's not alone this is what a lot of directors in that time were doing in films like oh yeah especially uh in action films and so that aspect of the film to me is i you know if i could you asked me earlier if I had the money to make a movie. It's like, if I had spare change left, I would go back and like edit all that shit out <laughs> of the yeah. film. It would be uh, a really short movie, though. But <laughs> It would be a short movie, um, but I feel like it would still be a, a much better film um, than, you know, uh, than with that in it. And I feel like, so I think to me that was like the biggest red flag but sure but it's interesting because it's written by the same uh jim and john thomas who wrote the first predator right so they this isn't they pawned it off on somebody who's like i'm gonna make predator go weird this is the people who wrote the original predator like this is where we want to go with it and you're like okay yeah let's do it i wonder if um shane black didn't give it a pass i wouldn't be surprised i'm sure he did um you know um he probably did but like it's it's such an octane testosterone filled um, just kind of explosion of a mess at the beginning of the film mm-hmm. that yeah, you know, that opening um, sequence alone. I was just like, what in holy heck, like even being an extra in that moment, like okay, we started with like the shootout with like the drug cartel, like the Colombian drug cartel versus like, yeah. the voodoo guys. Right. And so every person like even the background people, because they want to make sure it looks like what they're calling like the war zone, right? It's right insane how how much everyone like like from every character, like the whole screen. I like I love watching background people in anything because I just I'm always interested to see what they're doing to fill the space <laughs> or what like what the atmosphere, what they've told dubbed you is the atmosphere or the vibe. And the vibe in this movie is every background person is giving a hundred and ten percent and going yeah. off. I just watched uh, rewatched Speed with Keanu Reeves and Sandy. Oh Bullock. yeah, mm-hmm. and there was a type of background actor that I feel like got phased out by like two thousand five, two thousand seven. Yep. Um, what, what kind? What do you mean? The kind that Terry's talking about. They gave eight thousand percent. Like right. they were like, "Please um, do less. Please do less. Please do less now. <laughs> do less. Please you do, need less. To do less now. All right, I'll do less." 
<laughs> I actually, uh, I was actually a background actor on uh, that '70s show once, and okay. it was a, a, a thing where uh, the boys were coming back in town. There was they were playing the song, and they told us, "Look, because the, like Ashton Kutcher's coming by, they're like, look really into it. You're really excited about it." So we do the first shot, and the director comes over. He's like, "Be less excited." But it's Ashton, remember, it's Ashton. And I'm like, okay. So I was apparently one of those extras who gave too much. But <laughs> I would spend all the money in the world to bring extras like you back. Because ah. um, uh, I think they made the, the films richer. Um, I feel like everyone really enjoyed films at, you know, then. People still do, again, not to be an old, but... And God bless anyway. the story. Let's start paying change. Yeah, the style has really changed. Mm-hmm. I love that you, you pay attention to it because you were, you've been a background actor, right? So oh, you I've know done that so many times. Yeah. yeah, but I also yeah. just some. I think it's just very informative of like what, like I said, the overall vibe is. I was like, they really wanted this to like live. So like they wanted this place to feel dangerous, this place to feel right. like kinetic, and all this stuff that they're doing in this. And it's also just a departure from like the first Predator. You had the jungle doing like all the background, right, and all the. Right the scenery that that's what they're playing with. So they're like, this is actually, these are the trees. These are the leaves. These are the things that he's going to be. Urban you know, jungle. The, exactly. And so the yeah. way they made LA look, it just reminded me of those old eighties movies that we're obsessed with Julia about going back to see like Times Square in the eighties. You know, yeah. it just felt like that. I was like, I don't remember LA being this wild, but they really are make, going for it. Like, <laughs> and it, it, it wasn't that wild. And like, you know, it's, it's that unfortunate thing of like, you know, I had family here in New York. So I would, I saw Times Square in the 80s and it was wild. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was wild, but mm-hmm. it was never. But even as a kid, I never felt like I'm going to die right now. I loved it. Yeah, uh, sure. It's exciting. Just, yeah, awesome I was like, you know. this is incredible. Um, anyway, I, I, I think the movie loses focus at the beginning with that, um, which is a shame. Um, because the reason this movie has a warm spot spot in my heart is when it came out in 1990, um, and I had known Danny Glover was Murtaugh. Um, I knew Danny Glover from Lethal Weapon, The Color Purple, and Witness. Right. And and Silverado. Silverado was the most heroic I had seen him out of those four films. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then I guess Murtaugh, but this was the first time I had seen Danny Glover as a lead. And I didn't, I remember the first time watching it being like, well, he's, he's not the lead. Oh, it's Bill Paxson. Uh, it's this new cop coming in. That's going to be the guy. And Danny Glover will get killed. Right. And I remember expecting him to die throughout the whole film. And when he didn't die, I really can't explain the elation. So I'm like 10. Mm-hmm. Like there was an elation I felt, and I, um, and unlike the my first Predator viewing, which was a whole family experience, I think Predator was just me and my dad, and so we were both very emotional at the end. Of the film. Um, yeah. like he lived. Holy and shit! Especially how he comes in, because I was just like I was kind of floored, honestly, too, because I'd never seen Predator two. I've seen the original one a bunch back in the day, but seeing this and seeing him how hot hot headed he comes in hot in like every scene yeah and i was yeah. like the fact that he's coming in so hot they're gonna cut him down 
I was like, he can't come in hot like that with all these like white people around, like all these people around. I was like, oh no. Yeah. The fear I had every time he came in like that. And I was like, how is he going to get away with all this? He's not paying attention. He's not following rules. He's doing, you know, doing everything, you know, right. um, he's, he's doing being, everything wrong. Yeah. He's being Riggs. He's playing yeah. Martin Riggs. And, and, yeah, it's it's so great that you said that because like, oh, oh, he's not supposed to do that. Oh, you're not supposed to. And here he is doing constantly that in the yeah. film. And I watched it recently, too. And to me, that aspect of it is still revolutionary. And I don't know. I don't. I'm not giving Stephen Hopkins credit for that or the writers. No, I don't no. think that was intentional, mm -hmm. uh, especially knowing they wanted Patrick Swayze originally and Steven right. Seagal. Um which would have been a very different film. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I sorry, like the, the direction that they went with it, but I think it would be interesting to see Patrick Swayze go this hard this early. Mm. Although I guess he's doing Roadhouse around the same time. So I guess it's about yeah. the same. But I think the interesting thing about the beginning of this film is it doesn't seem like a Predator movie at all. It just seems like no. a cop movie. And I'm like, oh, is and I kept forgetting throughout this movie. I'm like, oh, it's a Predator movie. Like, because there was so much... Be trying to make a die hard. Cop. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, they die were... hard, but add predator to it. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the if you're at, if you ask me honestly, the success of a predator film is that formula. Uh, is it's this movie, and then the predator jumps in. Uh, the first predator is a GI Joe movie, is a war yep. movie. It's like this elite team that the dirty dozen, that the A team, and then oh shit, they all get wiped out by this alien. Um. And they tried the formula again. They were like, all right, well, uh, let's go in a different direction. Let's make you said, we'll make Die Hard. And I feel like Prey figured out like, hey, let's make this a period piece. Mm -hmm. And let's go from the perspective of, you know, this, these indigenous people here who are of the land. And, um, and it, it was such a brilliant turn. So, yeah, it's, you got this cop movie. And you got Danny Glover playing against type, playing Martin Riggs. And Danny Glover's 6'3". Yeah, he's and, a big dude. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and every other film, like, you know, he's kind of shot. Silverado was the only other film where I realized, like, oh, he's a big guy. Mm -hmm. um, Lethal Weapon, like, he's bigger than Martin Riggs, but, like, he's, you know, he moves slow and he's old and fragile. This is Danny Glover taking Gary Busey and, like, just dwarfing him. him yeah, yeah. Like putting him up against the wall and it's like oh no nah, this is a dangerous dude and that you know you touched on it terry too you know we we have a very small space to occupy as people of color as black people on in life and on screen um and to see danny glover who to in my opinion is an immense actor yes um have that opportunity whether on purpose or by accident was revolutionary then for me as a child and is still revolutionary for me as like a grown-ass man um and to, uh, the the shortcomings of the film are unfortunate because i feel like they take away from that aspect of just like hey there's this black cop who is very angry and is very is about to explode and we're not really even getting into who he is, his backstory. We don't see his home. We don't know what his relationship life is like. We just know that this man is going to kill everyone. And 
Oh, and he is the perfect match for this super, uh, super killer, this super predator. But um, it is a thing where you have to, I think it, this rides the alien line where people debate, is this a horror movie, right? You could say, right. is this a sci-fi movie? We have an alien killer. But there's a, the gore in this movie is no joke. No, it is not. Oh, my gosh. I, I, think it, I think it becomes a horror movie when it's in the subway. Yeah. Um, okay. And which is also could be considered one of its more problematic scenes when everyone in the subway is packing heat. That's and what people in LA do, though, right? Like, we all have guns. We just hang out in the subway. That's been my experience. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, oh, uh, and, and we got Bill Paxson um, just acting his heart out. Uh, always counting him always. to chew a scene. Yes. Yeah. Um, and his death scene. But, you know, when you see all these people who are armed, old, you know, and this ordinary citizens, old ladies, and the predator just kills them in the darkness mercilessly it's just like oh this is terrifying and when he ends up in that old lady's bathroom like you're so worried for her and and her husband (laughs) who i know is awake but is pretending watching jeopardy and does not want to get up yeah Yeah. um to me that's when the also when the movie gets really good um when danny glover is pursuit and he is the predator chasing this Mm -hmm. thing and um gets really focused and um and he carries it uh they all they you know uh that second half of the movie when it gets past all the offensive uh stereotypes it becomes a much more focused horror movie and then it explodes into this by the ending of the film everything that we've appreciated about the predator films um comes from uh, of the lore um to be more specific, comes from this film. You know, we see the xenomorph skull hanging up. Right. The gun is, you know, like, oh, like, there is this whole, the concept of a multiverse hit my brain, cinematic (laughs) multiverse hit my brain in 1990. Wow, so this movie did explode your mind. It really did. Um, I remember my brother is eight years older than me, and... He had his friends over our house and, you know, they were all just hanging. And I was, you know, being a fly on the wall and I'm 10. They're all 18 and they had not seen Predator 2. And it was a rare moment where I came out of my very shy shell and was like, we have we have this on tape. I'm going to put this on for you and you're going to watch it. And they were all like, what are you talking about, little dude? What do you mean? What, are you, what is this? Oh, uh, you got and some cool points. <laughs> I got some cool points. And they all sat down. And these are all, you know, these are all like, you know, black, young black men, 18 years old, 1990. And that similar thing came over them. Like, they were expecting Danny Glover to die. And when he didn't, everyone's jaw was on the floor by the end of that movie when he's walking out of the tunnel and he's covered in smoke. And then I was being a nerd, like, you know, I'm reading comic books. Like I knew what a xenomorph was. Like I was able to explain everything. And, you know, it was like, uh, one of my first experiences curating an experience and being able to have a conversation quote unquote with adults. They were 18 year old idiots, Mm -hmm. but you know, (laughs) um, (laughs) But, no, you know, it that's was big. Yeah, it was. So I think 
the the movie for me for nostalgia and um for the the what it meant at the time i think a lot of those things supersede what's actually on film uh, so as a as a expert as you were in predator can i ask you a question because i'm not clear is yeah. predator killing to eat or just mm. killing because no, we have the bodies uh, and we have the guts they're always separate but it yeah. doesn't seem like he's eating either one unless it's the skin yeah so the yatwa which is the name of the actual species of predator um, as a fix my <laughs> now, this glasses. is what we live for please <laughs> please 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 um, this is, yes so uh and if someone is listening who knows this stuff more than i do please chime in uh i guess you guys like people can comment oh yeah your, for sure please yeah. twitter um so the yatwa uh, they they hunt for the sport of hunting they do not uh they don't really eat us um it's, i don't i i don't think i i say that they don't really like they can uh, in the last Predator film, you see like the huge super predator bite a guy's head off. But for them, um, uh, like their culture is kind of a tribe culture of the Atwas, and there are blooded predators and unblooded predators. So this ties into the xenomorph. So the predator that we see in the first Predator and in this Predator, they are blooded. And you can tell they are blooded predators because they have their shoulder-mounted cannons and they have all this, these cool toys and alien, but the predator in Prey, the recent film, mm-hmm. is a unblooded predator. And unblooded means like they're unproven because they haven't gone on their first real hunt. And their first real hunts are usually designated to for xenomorphs, which are, uh, which, you know, if you ever watch Alien vs. Predator, you find out that... Um, the predator species, the Atwas, were kind of raising, you know, um, the alien species, the xenomorphs, specifically because they were so dangerous that they made the perfect prey. And uh, by hunting one, you have proven your worth and you become blooded and you take the, the acid blood of the xenomorph and you mark your helmet with it. And then you are now... Uh, elder member of the tribe you get your shoulder cannon and then you can go on really cool hunts like going to earth and finding like all right who is the alpha hunter on earth and you know you the longer you're able to hunt and survive and get bigger game and trophies then you become an elder predator and you become the head of your own tribe and so on and so forth so that's how the culture predator works and it's expanded on from this movie and then there's the whole dark horse comic run. And that's where alien and predators, like they really, you know, started ever since that movie, this movie came out, then that all kind of exploded in the comic book stores. Um, and those stories kind of took off. And then, you know, now we have the movies. That was a very nerdy run for me. That was amazing. Uh, I was trying to obsessed. I, my jaw was like open. I was like, Oh my God, this is everything. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. So I hope that answered your questions. And yes. My thank you. Nerd I'm asking the right off. person. <laughs> I had no idea we were going to get this kind of gold today, but that was just beautiful. Oh my goodness, Tarek. Yes. Um. Ah. Uh, I, I. Okay. Okay. So you really are an expert on Predator, is how this happened, and I'm glad you chose this film today. Um. How does a person survive this? Is really the question, though. How can people survive predator what's what's the biggest thing to survive 
uh, to survive the in the universe. E- easiest thing that you have to do is don't carry a weapon. Um, mm. If you realize, so like my favorite, second favorite character in Predator 2 is uh, the Ruben Blade. I love Ruben Blades. He's an amazing actor and musician. Yeah. Uh, and he's really there. chill. He's like a really mm-hmm. chill character. And I remember being really surprised that they killed him off. And But, you know, they kill him off because the rule of Predators are if you are armed, you are a threat. Um, they, they, their only exceptions are, like, so in Predator 2, when Maria Conchita Alonza's character is hunting for the looking for her partner on the subway platform and she comes across the predator and he picks her up by the throat and she's armed, but he sees she's pregnant mm-hmm. and that wouldn't be an honorable kill for the predator. So he lets her live. Um, now there are moments in alien vs predator when like people are unarmed and they are hurt and wounded. Um, and those predators kill the people regardless. And there's a whole subsection of like other predators that just, if you're unbluttered, some of them just like that also means they're not worthy and just kind of shitty people or shitty predator people, shitty atlas. So, you know, it doesn't always work. But the best way to survive a predator attack is to be unarmed. Oh, well, that's pretty easy. That's a nice one. Yeah, I yeah. like it. But that's you, my- okay, but you say, like, so you were obsessed with Peter Vincent and the vampire rules, and it sounds mm-hmm. like you're also obsessed with the predator rules. So, is there anything else we should know? We unarmed, no pregnant, chill, no children, I assume. Is there anything else that we should know rule wise? Um, what else? What else can I think about? I mean, I think that's kind of that, that was a big, that was a big rundown of everything about them. Like, yeah, they, um, I think that if 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 I were to helm a predator film, mm-hmm. uh, I I definitely think because we've only seen the male predators of the species, ah. mm-hmm. and they're not the only ones who hunt. And so uh, I think you you know you're leaving. There's such a there would be such a cool visual aspect of that, but also just like learning more about the culture of the Yatwas if you had a, you know, a woman. Are we assuming that they're all male? Do they ever say that they're actually male? In the comic book canon, they are not all male. And also in comic book canon, human beings can be incorporated in the tribe if you prove yourself worthy enough. What? Um, So yeah, that's why like Danny Glover's Lieutenant Hardigan, he's given like that gun. Because like, oh, all right, you came into our house and you beat up our son? All right. Like, in our house, the, the rules in this house means you cool. You invited to cook out because you can't. Right? <laughs> so here's this gun, kid. Get out of here. Um, but yeah, like, they are they are an honor-bound. At large, they are an honor-bound kind of society and species. Okay. I appreciate that. I mean, that's more fun than just when you think of Predator, when you see it, it just looks like an alien, right? Like, a, but this is not a mindless creature. It's no. actually, a, you know, very civilized as far as killers go yeah and that wasn't going to that was all by accident like the original predator uh jean-claude van damme was the predator oh um and so like you can see like deleted clips of him and he's wearing this big horrible rubber sweaty like bug bug suit oh wow um yeah and so he was this is before he was like a big you know 
the Jean-Claude Van Damme we know uh-huh. today. And yeah, he was just dying. He was dying in the jungle wearing this big rubber suit and it looked goofy and it wasn't working. And it was like a last minute assignment, I think, for Stan Winston. And he came up with the mandibles and they were like, oh, no, this is what the thing is. And we got we got this really cool creature that Kevin Peter Hall brought to life. Yeah. R.I.P. Like- Kevin Peter Hall. Oh, lives on forever in film, though. That's yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. For real. Amazing. Amazing work. All right. So, Julia, do we want to get to our final questions here, too? Yes. So uh, are we going to work straight to Gore Factor here? We can. I think this one's pretty easy, though. So It, you is, know, it is pretty easy. We do uh, a rating we- system here. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. I'll read it out just just for funsies. Uh, oh, this is our rating assistant. Uh, we have uh, one, not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two, a puddle of blood. Three, enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. And five is run for the barf bag. And I think we can successfully say this is a five more dead skinned hanging bodies than you ever wanted to see in a movie. Yeah. Yes. Drip, 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 drip. <laughs> a lot of drip. And not the good kind of drip. Yeah. <laughs> but also like a lot of drip though too. There was a lot of the good in it too, because some of these eighties fashions were were uh that, that early early nineties uh vibe. Very, Bill very Paxton cool. Paxton suits, I gotta say. I was into them. Yeah. Uh yeah, mm-hmm. no, I uh I he had, he was a stylish, stylish police officer. Very shame black. <laughs> <laughs> he was. He was giving that, giving all of that. Um, and then movie ratings. I think we already know Tarek's, but for uh, us, we could all chime in all together there too. But movie ratings, chainsaw as we do. One, chainsaw if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. And five, fantastical. I give Predator 2 a four. I thought it was not too shabby. I had not seen his iteration and I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm glad that uh, the black man didn't die. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Tarek? I'm a four as well. Um, okay. This is not too shabby a film. As I said, the it's unfortunate that there are so many offensive qualities to this film at the beginning, mm-hmm. but it gets really focused. And I'm really sad that we didn't get more features with Danny Glover as a lead. I yeah. We missed out. Um, he's he's an immense actor, and it's like great to see him not have to you know play second fiddle to Mel Gibson. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, you know, yeah, I just really uh, and I love the whole cast too: Gary Busey, Maria Conchita Alonso, Ruben Blades, Bill Paxton, R.I.P. Yeah, watching Gary Busey uh, froth at the mouth is always a good time, right? He just yeah. given it all every time. It's between uh, me and him. Like, <laughs> just. Those teeth, just like yeah. chiclets. It's crazy. Yeah, he's got, he's, got the, he's got those masked Jim Carrey teeth. Yeah. yeah totally. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Um, so I, I don't want to rain on anybody's parade, uh, but I give this movie a two. Um, and it's not because it's a bad film. Uh, and I, there were things that I enjoyed about it. Uh, but you have to understand where I'm coming from in that. Uh, 80s 90s action is not not my not my jam Julie hates no. it i don't oh, wow. like, I, I don't i, I don't want to hate a strong she word hates genre it, no it's so funny because even Predator, a genre knowing that yeah. there was war stuff i was like oh no she's gonna hate it because like oh. the things that you hate most are like kind of these but i love it Tarek says okay like this is literally yeah. the stuff that like i feel like me and my brother like are like big martial arts people big like we were big action kids like 
same yeah. era, same same spread actually to you. My brothers like graduated high school in, in 1990, and we're about seven years apart. So I think we probably, we're, we're yeah, eight yeah. years yeah. apart. Me and my brother as well. Yeah. So here we are. Very similar, I think, situation like the latchkey thing and everything. So like hearing you talk about that, I was like, yep, I was left with these crazy movies that my brother would like pick out, and mm-hmm. this was, this was one of the ones you know that that's kind of style stuff. So I loved it. Yeah, it's, it's I don't hate it. It's just a, a genre that I avoid. No, I. I, I I totally, I totally get that. Um, uh, so, so, so it was interesting to watch them both and to be able to say now I've seen Predator because right? I know of it. Uh, yeah. But just as a cinephile, it's nice to fill that gap in my movie knowledge. Yeah, no, it's and I think for and like I, I don't want to speak for Terry, but like for me, like there weren't a lot of films then that blended genre. Yeah, right. Like you were an action movie, like. Like the segregation of genres were for were real. Like yep. I went to the video store and was like, "All right, this is horror." And then feel like towards the '90s they tried to play with it a little bit. And Predator Two was like, Predator. The whole Predator franchise was like, "Oh, there, you know, you don't see Arnold Schwarzenegger in a horror movie, right?" So how is this going to turn out? But yeah, I get the. You know, it was the demographic was very testosterone filled. Right. Yeah, totally. <laughs> not really. Level. I was more of the John Hughes kind of girl, you know, so mm. like, this is coming from a, not that I say I can't go hard. Right. Like I've watched Cannibal Holocaust. I can go last house to the left if you want to. Like I'll do it. Um, but the war stuff makes me a little a, a little antsy. But here's the question. You worked in a video store. Uh, yeah. Would would you classify this in the horror section of the video store? I would. Okay. Um. Predator, yeah, I oof, that's a great question. You have you have three options. You could put this in horror, science fiction, or action. Yeah, right. Um, I think I would go action, although the gore is what 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 makes it iffy, right? It's the same with like a Van Horizon. You're like Van Horizon's a sci-fi movie, but that gore ain't no fucking joke. Ooh, no, so yeah, yeah. yeah ooh, that, um, I mean, because I'm on a horror podcast, I'll put it in the horror <laughs> Smooth, smooth. Um, that's, that's where I'll, that's where I'll Wait, put it. Validate your choices. I love yeah. Fantastic. And then is there any other tips outside of this movie, any other general horror tips that you uh, live by? Like if, if someone were to survive uh, any type of horror movie, like what's your, what's your best pro tip? Best pro tip is go with your gut. Mm. That's um, a good one. You know. So many people just, you know, that second guessing that, all right, yeah, I'll let this person in. No, no, if something is telling you it's wrong, go with your gut. Um, And that's just an improv instinct. Like, go with your gut. You you know, that's that's where you find the truth of wherever you you need to go. Um, And that shit will keep you alive. Yeah. For so will you, will you tell us what you're working on now and what where we can find you, what we should be looking for with plug, you? Plug, plug, plug. Sure. Yeah. Um, so currently, right now, I am. Uh, we will be filming more episodes of the Amber Ruffin Show. Uh, Yay! Um, so you can look for us there, me, Amber, and myself on Peacock. Uh, excited to do that. I am uh, still an active member uh, and on the advisory board of Freestyle Supreme or FLS Plus. Yes. And Ooh. we're doing a lot of exciting things that I am. Um, some of them I am at the helm of. So uh, watch the space. Um, we will be performing in Vegas. And <gasps> nice. Julia's hometown. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh, you're from Vegas. Wow. I was born and raised there. Wow, that's dope. Um, <laughs> uh, so yeah, doing a lot. Yeah, doing. Um, so I'm doing that and helming some cool projects that, um, sadly are uh, not sadly, but unfortunately, I'm still developing. So until they are uh, ready, I will then be able to promote. Um, and okay. Not be as cryptic. We know how that is. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and the same with um, you know I. There are some features that I have written. They are being considered and looked at, and things are looking good. But you know, it's that this is a very tricky business. So, roller coaster, yeah, right. this business, yes, yeah. So uh, we'll see. Um, I'm very We're sending the good though. vibes for those. I yeah. appreciate that. Um, Amazing. Where can we find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at. Tarek R. Davis. It's T A R I K R D A V I S. And uh, yeah, I post updates on the stuff I'm working on there. Yeah. Fantastic. And you guys can find us where you normally do at Horror Movie Survival Guide and all the things Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, you can also find us on patreon.com slash horror movie survival guide if you want to support our little independent show. We love it. We appreciate you. You can also get some merch at our Teespring store. And thank you again so much, Tarek Davis, for being here with oh, us today. Thank you. And this just was so much fun. Making a dream come true. This is literally, you guys, I literally was pulled up on stage like at the show and was like, will you be on my show? And he's like, yeah, sure. So I <laughs> really appreciate you uh, coming here under much duress. Uh, so. no, no, it was my pleasure. This was so much fun. Thank you for yes. having Yes. Thank you. And it's so much fun to meet you. Any fan of Fright Night is a friend of mine. Oh, I yeah, for sure. Thank you so much. We love it. All right. Thanks, guys. Have a great week. We'll see you again real soon. Thank you for listening. Horror Movie Survival Guide is independently produced by Terry Gamble, Julia Marchesi, and Sierra Rhine. Hey, that's me. If you would like to support the show, find us on patreon.com slash horror movie survival guide. <laughs>